Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. All right, so uh, this morning we're going to get into the, one of the last messages here in our Romans 8 series. This is number 7 of 8. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and throw out there the, the main thing that you're going to see in this passage today. It's going to talk about us being more than conquerors in Jesus. And I usually, I usually wait for a little bit more than like 15 seconds for like the, the, the key thing. All right, I like to, like to hold it back. But this one is like so important for us to understand this idea of being more than conquerors in Jesus. Because um, the truth is you don't, you don't feel like a conqueror half the time. Maybe more than half the time. A lot of, a lot of us, we just... We look at our lives, and we look at what Scripture says. says, you're more than a conqueror. And you're like, uh, no. <laughs> I, don't, I don't see that, Jesus. Like, what is, what's going on here? Um, it's like hearing, uh, maybe you're a fan of sports like I am. It's like hearing some athlete make a proclamation like, man, we're going to win the title this year. It's going to be awesome. And you're, you're a fan of that team, and you're like, what are, what's he on? <laughs> like, we have no chance. We have a better chance of me going outside in the middle of February and being warm. Like, it's not going to happen. Um, one of the best examples of that, really the first real example of somebody guaranteeing a victory. You go back, I think this is Super Bowl 56 today. So you go back like 53 years to Super Bowl 3. And you got Joe Namath, quarterback of the New York Jets. And they're going up against juggernaut team, the Baltimore Colts, uh, quarterback by Johnny Unitas. They were nine, the Colts were 19 and a half point favorites. If you don't know... That kind of stuff in sports, that's like saying they're going to win. And Joe Namath, during the week of the Super Bowl, he says, we're going to win. I guarantee it. And actually his coach later on was, he told reporters that he wanted to kill his quarterback for saying that. Because you don't want to give more, more whatever to the other team of like, yeah, we want to beat them even worse now. But he did that. Know what the Jets go out and do? They went out and they won the Super Bowl, 16-7 to 7 that year. That was really the first time that somebody kind of put themselves out on a limb and guaranteed victory in a big situation like that. It's kind of comparable to when Babe Ruth supposedly called his shot, supposedly. Um, now you have everybody and their grandmas being like, we're going to win, I guarantee it. And people are like, no, like half the other team said that too. So you don't even listen to the guarantees. Um, and I, I know full well what it's like to be in sports and try to believe that you're a winner, that believe that you're going to be a conqueror and not really feel it. As a basketball coach, I took over a, a girls' basketball team that was 4-17 uh, one year, and they only returned two kids from, the re- from that team. The rest of them graduated. So a really bad team, and not any of them even came back. And I'm supposed to, And so first couple games of the year, I'm literally, I'm like, Come on, girls, we can do this. I totally think we can win. I'm not looking there in their eyes because I'm like, I'm the biggest liar. I know we have no chance. It is not a fun feeling to be in that feeling where you sh- I should want, I should believe I'm going to win, but feeling like there's just no chance it's going to happen. It's one thing to say that you're a winner, to say that you're a conqueror. It's a whole other thing to be that or to believe that you're a winner or a conqueror. And so what we're going to do is we're going to read in this passage, uh, Romans 8, 32 through 37. Paul literally says, 
that the people in the Roman church, and by extension us as followers of Jesus, we are, we are conquerors. Not even just that, but that we're more than conquerors in Jesus. So this is crazy stuff. So let me read this. Again, Romans 8, 32 through 37. He who did not spare his own son gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. When you are feeling defeated, it doesn't, doesn't feel like you're a conqueror. When you're struggling to make, make ends meet, to pay the bills, you're behind in your rent, your mortgage. doesn't feel like you're a conqueror at that point. When the kids are not listening to anything that you say, which is like every day. You don't feel like you're more than a conqueror. Doesn't feel like you're a conqueror when you're at work and you're getting further and further behind. It doesn't feel like you're a conqueror when, when your body is more out of shape than it's ever been and you feel like you can't even move. You, you just feel so, ugh. It's not a fun feeling. It's hard to feel like a conqueror. But I'd say even when all this stuff is going well, there's always something, even if it's that little thing that just keeps us from feeling like we're really, truly conquerors. And so this idea that we are, like Paul says, more than conquerors, this is not just some kind of positive thinking coach speak that Paul is trying to tell these, these people in the Roman church. Here's what I think it is. This is truth thinking, not positive thinking. It's truth thinking. And there's a difference. I, I want to tell you something that I hate. I hate self-help books. I don't like them. I, I think almost every self-help author is full of you-know-what. I, I just And some of you are like, but Kellen, you're like a self-help guy. You get up and you try to motivate. Eh, no. It's not, there's a big difference. I don't like self-help books, but I love gospel-centered truth books. I love books that, that tell me the truth about who I am. See, self-help books... They kind of want to make it seem like you can do whatever you want to do. You can get out of whatever situation. Work harder. Make something better yourself. But truth thinking and gospel thinking is actually applying the message that Jesus alone is the answer to my problems. It's actually, it's actually tearing us down so that it can build us up. It's saying that actually you're the problem. Jesus is the answer. And see, I... I Sometimes you've got the, the positive coaches, the positive thinking coaches, and they're, they're going to, and they're like, yeah, you guys can do this. It's, it's going to be awesome. Hey, it's no problem that you missed that layup. It was wide open. No problem. You got the next one. And me, I'm like, I want to, like, what did I do wrong? <laughs> Tell me what I did wrong so I can fix it. And then you've got the, the truth speaking coaches, and they will tear you down to build you back up. My favorite part of coaching is always the tearing down. I am like super, super good at the tearing down part. Um, there's one kid, and I, I love her. She is, I still communicate with her often now. But 
she was a really good defensive player. She's the worst shooter I've ever had in my entire life on my team. And I, I pretty much told her, like, you can take layups, but if you shoot, like, further than two feet from the basketball hoop, you're, you're going to sit. <laughs> like, you're coming out. Tearing her down to help her to see, here's what, here's what reality is. Now I'm going to build you up to show you exactly what you can do to help this team. That's actually the gospel. The gospel is real. It's truth. It's not always the pretty picture of the self-help book saying that you can do whatever you want. We are faulted. The truth is, is that with Jesus, though, I can overcome and I can be more than a conqueror. And that's what Paul's trying to say in this passage. And so I want to talk a little bit more. Um, what is it that Paul's actually saying about how we are more than conquerors? There's three things that I want us to, to really kind of dig in here of ways that I think he's telling us, here's how you're more than conquerors. So the first one's this. Through Jesus, we conquer the lies of Satan's accusations. Only through Jesus, though. Verse 33. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Satan likes to bring charges against you. One way or another. Whether, so if you've studied scripture for a long time, or if you've been a human for like more than two minutes, you know Satan likes to bring accusations against you. And he will lie, he'll do whatever he needs to do. But here's what's really tricky about it. He is so crafty in those lies. See, if you, if you came to me and were like, hey, Kellen, I don't like you because you were talking behind, you were talking bad about my grandma last week behind her back. I'm going to think like five seconds on that one. I'm going to be like, did I not like it? No, I, I didn't say anything. I'm good. Because the truth is, maybe I didn't like your grandma one week and I maybe said some bad stuff because I'm a human. But I can think back and I, oh, no, not a big deal. So that accusation, not worried about it. You might even come to me and say, hey, Kellen, you're an awful pastor. You should never be a pastor. I saw you laundering money last week. And I'm going to think about that for even less than one second because I'm going to be like, yeah, I, was, I don't launder money. That's a, that accusation doesn't hit close enough to home. Here's where Satan gets us. You might come to me and say, hey, Kellen, I don't think you should be a leader in front of people. I think you're super self-centered and I think you're all about yourself. Now you're hitting close to home. I don't think I'm the most self-centered person, but if you come, came to me and you thought that, man, that's going to get my wheels spinning. Man, is that how people see me? Am I, like, I know there's selfishness and self-centeredness, in me, so is that, is that my identity? Is that what I really am? See how that, that lie, if it's just close enough to the truth, what it does to us? Satan doesn't use all the lies like, you're the worst human being in the whole world. Well, sometimes he maybe says that, and sometimes I feel like that. But he doesn't necessarily try to get us to look at everybody around us and be like, you're the worst one of all of them. But if he can get me to think that that, that lust issue is just bad enough that God really, God really is disappointed in you. God can't lo love you. You're just, you're just not nice enough that there's not a person in the world that really thinks that you're a great human. It's those little bits of lies that Satan works in. And so to some degree, those things are true and we start to question. We start to feel the, the, the weight of that accusation. It's the trick that Satan wants to play. He likes to play it a lot with most of us, I think. But I want you to check out what Paul says at the tail end of verse 33. He says, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? 
It is God who justifies. It is God who justifies. Now the Greek word that he uses there for justifies is a word that I've been trying to pronounce all week. Dikaieo. Something like that. And here's what it means. It means to declare someone righteous. It is God who declares someone righteous or not. There's nobody else. Nobody else gets to declare you unrighteous. Nobody else gets to declare you righteous. That is God's alone to do. And so I, I think we have to come to terms with this concept in the New Testament here. Paul's telling the Roman church, telling us as followers of Jesus as well, that when we are in Christ, there is no one who can bring accusation against us. There's nobody who can bring an accusation against us to say that we are unrighteous. The truth of it is, when we accept what Jesus did on the cross for us, he gives us his righteousness. It's completely ours. That is what our identity is. So no longer is it, ah, this person thinks I'm so awful and, and unrighteous. Here's the, you may have unrighteous acts that you commit. For sure. You're going to have unrighteous acts that you commit. People can't look at you and claim that as your identity. In fact, you're, yes, you're going to have unrighteous acts. You're going to have consequences for those unrighteous acts. You can't just get a speeding ticket and go before the judge and be like, yo, judge, Jesus died for this. Righteous. Like the judge is going to slam that gavel and be like, uh, you're just too cocky about this Jesus thing. Here's the whole fine. But in a spiritual sense, completely Righteous. We have to get to the point where we get this in our head, where it gets in our heart. Because if we don't, what happens is we, we aren't able to conquer these accusations, Satan's lies. With Jesus, I can conquer all those things. Here's what I want you to understand. We are no longer defined by our faults. We are no longer defined by the sin that we still fight against. We're no longer defined by our insecurities. You are now defined completely, solely, by the righteousness of Jesus. His righteousness has become your righteousness. Every lie, every accusation that has been thrown against you, it's nothing. And here's, here's what I really want us to understand. The minute that you really believe that there is no accusation against you that, that will stand, that's when you will be changed. We got Christians running all over this world not changing in the way that they live because they're continuing to buy into the lies of the accusations. But once I can buy into the fact that I am no longer accused, I am righteous, it is a complete world change. It's all about the thinking that leads to the acting. All right, so Paul tells us we, we can be more than a conqueror against all these lies, all these accusations. What's the second thing where we can be a conqueror? Second thing is this. Through Jesus, we conquer the power of Satan's condemnation. Now, you could say, oh, that's like accusation, condemnation. Aren't those the same things? Condemnation is the thing that comes after the accusation. Accusation, you found guilty, you're now condemned to the consequence. And Paul is, Paul is adamant that we can conquer the power of, of condemnation. It says in verse 34, when then, Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Can I tell you, so this verse to me is super cool when you actually really just flesh it out. What it's saying is that Satan can throw all the accusations against you that he wants to. 
and he has zero power in it. He holds none of the power because he can't condemn anybody. Condemnation is not his to give. In truth, it's only, it's only God's to give. Who is the one that condemns? No one. So you can have all these accusations thrown at you and all, none of them are going to stick. They're just going to fall right down flat. They ain't going to go anywhere. And so who's going to condemn if none of the accusations will actually stick? Beyond this life, there is this spiritual sense that we have with God where we will not be condemned no matter what. Doesn't mean that we get to do whatever we want to do. But it does mean that no matter what I do and no matter how I mess up, those accusations won't stand because I'm not condemned. And here's why. I think sometimes we think that God is just against us. We mess up. And Jesus is talking to the Father and being like, man, Kellen is just, he ain't getting this. He is messing up. Do you understand that's exactly the opposite of what this passage is saying Jesus is doing? There's actually, earlier in Romans 8, it talked about how the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf. He prays for us in ways that we don't know how to pray for ourselves. And this passage now is saying that Jesus also intercedes for us. He is like a lawyer going before the Father. Problem is, is we think a lot of the times, we think Jesus is the prosecuting attorney. But Jesus is the defense attorney. And he goes before the Father, and he is constantly interceding on our behalf. While all the accusations that Satan is coming at us, Jesus is saying, ah, Father, I died for this one. My righteousness is covered over Kellen. He's got my righteousness. We don't realize that. We feel condemned, but the truth is, Jesus is doing the opposite of condemnation. So when you think that you're being beaten down and accused and condemned, this is not Jesus. Jesus is not fighting against us. Even if you haven't come to know Jesus as your Savior and you haven't accepted what he did on the cross for you, I guarantee Jesus isn't fighting against you. He's trying to do everything he can to bring you home to him. So we got to get rid of that idea that he's fighting against us. Jesus is on your side. He died for you. And then he rose from the dead so that he can now fight for you every single moment. So the accusations can't be held up against us. We, in Jesus, we have victory over that. We're conquerors over the accusation. In Jesus, we can't be condemned. We, we are more than conquerors against condemnation. But then there's a third thing, and it comes from this last verse that we read. Most of you have heard this verse before. You probably love it. The third thing here. Through Jesus' love, we are made to be more than conquerors. Romans 8, 37. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So here's the question. What is he saying in all these things? In what things are we made more than conquerors, Jesus? What are those things? Goes back to verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? Or let me put it into 2022 context. Or pandemic, or racial animosity, or masks, or no masks, or threats of war, or inflation. All those things. We are made more than conquerors in those things. Our lead pastor, David, um, he shared something last week that I thought was really good. Here's the thing. I, I feel like 
uh, we do so much live preaching now, we've gotten away a little bit from the voice of our lead pastor in Beloit. And so if there's ways where I can bring two or three minutes in where he can share some vision with us, I'm hoping that I can start to do that a little more. Um, but he talked about something last week about Jesus being our everything and how he didn't use the word conquering yet, but um, how we are conquerors in Jesus alone. And so I wanted to, to just share this uh, little, little thing from last week from Pastor David. I hate to be David the Downer, but I've got some sad news to start with. Every day, every day, uh, right now, every day, 10 churches a day are closing their doors. The last song is sung, the last prayer is prayed. The building empties, the doors are closed and locked, that's it. But that's not all. In addition, 85% of the churches in America have either plateaued or are in a deep decline. Dead and dying churches. And one of the reasons is that 2020, oh my gosh, it was one long, hard year of severe disruption. I mean, the year started with ugly, painful politics. Spring erupted with the COVID crises that is still affecting us. I mean, it changed everything. And then summer, maybe like I've never seen since my youth, civil unrest, racial unrest all across our country. And then (laughs) fall and winter, more ugly, painful politics. And people started to think, started to say, hey, I can't go to my church if my church doesn't share my politics. I've got my opinions. And if the people of my church don't share my opinions, I just can't go. I've got to find some place that shares my politics and my opinions. And I've got preferences. Like, you know, I don't want to wear a mask. Or I want to wear a mask and everybody else better wear one. Preference to be vaccinated or preference not to be vaccinated. And attacking each other on the basis of those preferences. That kind of attitude not only kills churches, it'll kill your relationship with Jesus. Because Jesus plus politics equals nothing. He loses all his power. He is dethroned As the politics become king, Jesus plus politics equals Jesus plus opinions equals nothing. If you want Jesus to be something in your life, get rid of the opinions. Jesus plus preferences equals nothing. In fact, Jesus plus anything equals nothing because he's king. He's Lord. He is supreme. So here's the deal at this church if you're newer here. Here's our heart. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. He is our all in all. He is sufficient. He is more than enough. He is a good God. I love that guy. I feel like he could wake up from a nap and have a lot of passion to preach like the next minute. Um, but I love what he's saying there about Jesus. Jesus plus nothing is everything. And thinking about, about conquering over the the tough stuff in our life. Um, I was thinking about this week and thinking about the life of David. Uh, Not that David, King David, okay? The life of King David. He goes up against Goliath, and most most of us know the story of David and Goliath. He kills Goliath, and then he goes into battle throughout the years, and he he slaughters tons and tons of people in in fighting. and, And we think about David as being a conqueror, right? 
how does David get to be a conqueror? Does David get to be a conqueror by there being peace in his life every single day? No. The conquering happens. He becomes a conqueror because there's battles to be fought. I think in our own lives, we struggle, we struggle with the battles. We don't, we don't want them to exist. But in truth, I think that we need to start to look at the battles as being the thing that gets us to the place where we get to be more than conquerors. Battles present in my life allows Jesus to be seen as something more than just getting me by. There's power that shows up through the battles. So that's what I want us to be thinking about this week. What are, what are those areas? What are those battles that you're facing? Because the truth is, is we need to get... The gospel is all about the truth. If, we are, if we're being fake about what the real battles are, it's hard to become a conqueror. Let's ask God to, to bring to the surface what are the battles I'm struggling with in life. Because once I know what those struggles are, now I know, God, where you need to help me, where I need to trust you. I can't do it on my own. And so, God, show me what the battles are. And then help me not to be just so angry about the battles. Help me to let you take over in those battles. I want you to overcome. I want you to be a conqueror. I want you to make me a conqueror in the midst of those battles. Because that's where people see Jesus in a whole new way. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.